Welcome to Off the Spectrum. In light of the surge of hate crimes against Asians, we at the Spectrum have decided to examine these issues in depth. It is disturbing to see the repeated discrimination against Asians and the simultaneous lack of attention in the media. And so in today's episode, we have gathered some Asian American students from the Spectrum, and we also have some special guests from AB's club, Dear Asian Youth. Join our discussion today to hear about the Asian experience at AB. Please do note that our experiences are entirely our own and we do not speak for the entire community. Hi, I'm Rebecca and I'm the co-editor-in-chief of The Spectrum as well as the outreach director for Dear Asian Youth. Hi, my name is Supriya and I'm a junior. I'm the podcast producer on The Spectrum. Hi, my name is Jasmine, and I'm a junior, and I'm another EIC for the Spectrum. My name is Melina. I am the co-chief layout editor for the Spectrum and also a member of today. Hi, my name is Grace. I'm a sophomore, and I am the main spread editor at the Spectrum. Hi, my name is Ariana. I am a junior, and I am the president of Deer Asian Youth Club. Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm also a junior and I'm the vice president of Dear Asian Youth. Hi, I'm Sophie. I'm a junior and I'm the news editor for The Spectrum. First question today, just as a starting point, is what is it like to be an Asian American at AB? So I think I don't really have a specific response for this, but um, I think it's probably different here at AB versus other schools because we are a district that is 34% Asian. So I don't necessarily feel like a minority in many of my classes. And all my friends are basically Asian. Uh, And I tend to surround myself with a lot of other Asian people. But also at the same time, there's still a lot of stereotypes and expectations for Asians, even though there are so many Asians and you expect that there wouldn't be. Um, I'm not going to get into any specifics here so that other people can talk. Um, Just adding on to you, I feel like our community is, there's like a lot of internalized racism and like sort of stereotypes in a way. Um, Like, I think people sort of were sort of taught that we're supposed to be smarter from a very young age. So as we get older and we enter high school and there's like such a large community, everyone's thinking the same thing. So it creates a kind of toxic environment. Um, And yeah, just generally not super great, (laughs) even though we're not a minority in like the school, like too much of a minority in the school, it still feels very, very like, I don't know how to put it. It just feels very, stereotyped I guess. Yeah I personally have more of a problem with internalized racism like although because we're not a minority group well within AB itself since we're such a large um, population I personally deal with internalized racism more um, depending like with all the stereotypes on how we're expected to be the certain minority that's why there's the model minority myth. And um, although some people are like surrounded by Asians all the time, depending on the classes they take, that itself, um, if you're not 
taking all honors, if you're taking lower level classes, I feel like that will impact you. And I feel like you're thought you're expected to be taking a lot of honors. But um, as an Asian, it feels like, I don't know, um, since I don't take all honors, I feel like there's just that um, internalized like discrimination. I don't know how to phrase it, but I just feel like that's more of a problem for me. And I think there's, I'm not sure how we can like resolve that. Another thing that I'm thinking about is just the rigorous academic culture at AB and how much of that, or like how much the model minority myth contributes to that. I don't know the answer, but yeah. I guess what I noticed about being Asian at AB, and I think in the sense I'm talking about sort of the whole school district, because I think it's instilled at like a very young age, is that, um, yeah, the impacts of the model minority myth, as well as like, I feel like how segregated AB is, because I feel like even though there's a lot of diversity, kids just tend to hang out with like um, their own kind of race. And I think like, even from a young age though, in elementary school, like you wonder like, why is the racism so internalized? I feel like it's because it's been thrust upon like the Asian community for so long. Cause I remember in elementary school, just like, um, like white kids saying to me like, oh, Asians are good at math. Like they literally just say these, these, these statements or like um, Asians are really smart, like smarter than white kids. Like they literally say that about themselves and about Asian people. And I like try to argue with them and like try to point out that it's wrong. Cause even at that time before I even knew what the model minority myth was, like I had a name for it. I just felt that it was racist and wrong. And I was already concerned about the ramifications on the workforce and like how that myth is used to hurt Asian people, not promote them and things like that. But when I tried to argue back to them, they literally just tell me, no, like I'm complimenting you. And like, you wouldn't get anywhere with arguing with them. And so I just feel like from a very young age, it's just very instilled upon people. And they, they treat it like it's a compliment. So people swallow it easier, but in the end it, it hurts. Yeah, I wanna second something that you said a little while back about how in elementary school, you'd kind of see people already like grouping off based on race. And that's something I noticed too, especially in elementary school and even now. And it's something that upsets me, I guess, because it just, it doesn't seem fair that starting as a young age, we were already doing that. And that just kind of sets us up for the same thing in the future, which isn't a great way to meet new people. It isn't a great way to like have everyone be equal. So I think that I don't exactly know what leads to it starting at such a young age, but I think that that's something that definitely needs to change. Well, I was thinking kind of what leads to it though, is just that like, like children just, I don't think, children like already kind of believe in racist ideas just from like living in society, probably subconsciously. There's not really much malicious intent there, 
But I still believe that because of that racism, I guess, um, and believing in racist ideas, you kind of like just go which group is comfortable with you. I guess like kind of how I was describing, like you already have racist experiences when you're in elementary school. And I think it's more comfortable just to hang out with people who, who won't do that against you. Because obviously I didn't feel too great about the children who said that about me or the children who, who were their friends. So then that means like, I'm not hanging out with as many white kids. So I think that's just what kind of happens. But I think it's kind of sad because it at such a young age to separate, like separating just exacerbates ignorance. Cause I think their original statements were not born out of malicious intent, but it was just out of ignorance. And probably cause they don't, they didn't hang out with that many Asian kids. It's really interesting how, especially at AB, there's always kind of a sense of an Asian bubble since I know, especially for extracurriculars, all my like, most of my extracurricular teachers are like Chinese specifically. My art teacher's Chinese, my dance teacher's Chinese, my after school center was, for a while was Chinese. And I kind of, I saw this on TikTok, but it kind of relates to a survival mentality Asian immigrants often have of like grouping around similar people because to like to survive and because they like to like form a sense of community and maybe like some of the sense of Asian bubble contributes to not as much interaction between white people and Asian American people, for example. I think that obviously does contribute to the Asian bubble we have, but I also feel like a lot of it does go back to sort of the racism um, and stereotyping mm -hmm. was like not very popular with a lot of people because it wasn't like assimilated enough, I guess. My other Asian friends who were like super American, I get like in the sense that they were doing the things that the white kids like like to identify with, which is like, instead of eating what I was eating at lunch, which was like Chinese food, they were eating sandwiches. Um, they were allowed to hang out with the white kids. And on the other hand, I was not allowed to because they like didn't like me. And if they said they wanted to hang out with me, it was just to like bully me. So I think a lot of it is just this sort of underlying sense. I think kids are very smart. They like pick up on a lot of the tones and like the um, feelings they get from adults. And if adults have this like slightly off feeling towards a certain group, the kids are going to uh, emulate that. I think assimilation is kind of an um, important segue we can kind of talk about. Um, so what are everyone's thoughts on like assimilation, um, especially in today's society as an Asian American? For me personally, um, I kind of want to talk about my last name as an identity. So in order to assimilate my parents, um, uh, my dad's last name, Zhong, he translated it to Bell. So this my whole life, I like as a child, I didn't even realize that I had like a quote unquote different last name until when I got older, a bunch of people would ask if I was adopted, if I was a half Asian, but none of that was true. And I would be asked this a lot. And personally, I feel conflicted because I don't feel Asian enough because of my Americanized last name. But it's inevitable for people to ask. But at the same time, 
I guess I just have to deal with it. And um, I think I should just appreciate my um, Asian background rather than just my like display name, my profile. Oh yeah, I so I guess I think um, in the larger society, since Asians are a minority, there's a lot of assimilation, I guess. But I feel like in AB, it's nice because there is this large Asian demographic. So I feel like I've been less pressured to assimilate, but I still feel like that larger, like kind of sense to assimilate. And I think it's perpetuated a little bit by the model minority myth and assimilation is encouraged. And so like, I guess Nicole was mentioning how like her last name was changed and that kind of resonated with me because um, like my last, originally like my parents were gonna thinking of hyphenating my last name to be Gaw Roberts, but then they decided not to do that because they thought that giving me a white last name would be the most advantageous. And also like, I used to, like when I was little, I lived in China for about two years. And so that meant I was fluent in Mandarin. But when I came back, like I remember my teachers saying, cause I was having trouble picking up English so they said like, oh, you need to like de-teach your Mandarin, like, because if you're bilingual, then that means that you'll be less good at English. And so then my parents then listened to her. And so now I've lost my Mandarin skills. So it's kind of like that assimilation, I think, is because that racism has been internalized. And I don't blame my parents at all for it, because they're like just as much impacted by that um, from that sort of internalized racism. Cause I asked my mom, like, why would you listen to them? Why would you do that? And so, and they kind of just said, um, because they just want me to have the best chances in the US because like the racism exists and I can't really change that. And I feel like that's a lot of why there's not a lot of activism in the Asian community too. There's just like the sense of, I can't really change things. So I might as well adapt to it. And it's obviously a survival mechanism, but yeah, that's kind of the impact. Okay, I just wanted to add about names as well. My middle name in Chinese starts with a Q, but when we came here, my dad changed it to CH. And I know how to spell it, the Chinese way, but I honestly don't know how to spell it the way that my dad changed it in order to assimilate. I can't remember if it's C-H-E-U or U-E because it's not, it's just not what it is. So I just can't remember it. And my dad also changed his first name to be spelled with a C-H instead of a Q. And my mom and dad actually have the same first name. So I see that comparison like firsthand, like my mother, people often try to pronounce her name Quing, even though there's no U. And, but my dad, it's very obvious because there's that CH. The issue with assimilation, I think, is that it is advantageous in the United States for a lot of people. It's just better to be like more white. Um, I know like my mom, um, when she first came over, I think my dad's mentor, something, I don't know, some random, person who like genuinely wanted to help them out was like, hey, you should probably pick up an English name so people um, can know how to say your name. 
because if they can't say your name, you're less likely to be recognized during any meetings and less likely to be like, get a promotion, less likely to get anything really. And it's, I think it's really sad that someone can say like, hey, you have to change your name and still genuinely be like trying to help you. I just realized I'm the only person in my family who has an English name because my parents and my sister, they all use their Chinese names. I don't know how that makes me feel. I literally just realized this. Am I having a midlife, not midlife, just life crisis? <laughs> this is, I don't know. I also think like when I was a child and like sort of bratty, by the way, I don't eat rice. And so when my parents are like, oh, Chinese people eat rice. I'm like, I'm not Chinese, I'm American. I feel like that's totally what I would say when I was younger. Um, and I just think in general, my relationship with my Chinese identity has fluctuated a lot over the years. I think when I was younger, I like didn't really understand what it meant to be Chinese American. But then as I got older, like specifically the middle school slash freshman year stage, that was my emo stage, by the way, in case you wanted to know. And so I'm pretty sure like I was just so stressed out by school and like kind of feeling the pressure to be smart that I was like, oh, I wish I wasn't Chinese. If I wasn't Chinese, would I feel this much pressure? Would I still be like working this hard at school? And I think it's like very hard to determine how much of my identity, again, comes from the model minority myth versus is actually my own. Now, like Ariana said, I've also like de-learned my language. Um, I used to speak it fluently as a child. I don't know it anymore. I can still understand it, but I don't remember how to speak it. And those are just small things that kind of make me feel a little bit upset. Like I'm upset that I don't remember it anymore. I'm upset that I lost that tie to kind of my family's history and my family's culture and kind of created that for English. Obviously, I'm very happy I know English. I mean, I live in America, but I do feel like that little twinge of regret that I've let that part of myself go. And it's just so much harder to learn a language and be connected with that now. I think Ultimately, assimilation is a person's choice. I think it's wrong if they feel that they feel obligated to do so because of society. I think that needs to change. I think if people want to assimilate, there's really nothing wrong with that. And I know that could also come from societal pressures, not like realizing that that's what's causing you to want it per se. But I think at the end of the day, it's really your life. And if you want to fit in, fit in. And if you want to you know, if you want to feel like everyone else in the place that you are, I think that's ultimately your decision. And you're really allowed, to, like you're able to do that. And I think that's also, it's just, you can have more than one culture, but also try to fit in if you feel like that's what you want to do. Yeah, I actually want to add on to that. So my name, my legal name is obviously on the screen. It's Jiahe, but no one has ever gotten it right. No one has ever pronounced it right it's always butchered. And so every first day of school, I go into school, I go into my classes, and I already have like this, I don't know, routine in my head. So the teacher goes down the list alphabetically. And so I just wait for her to get to my name. And I can always tell because her eyebrows just, the teacher's eyebrows just throw and they're like about to pronounce it. And they're like, I don't really want to mispronounce your name, but also I don't want to skip over your name. And so I just save them the trouble. And I raise my hand and I'm like, hi, I go by Grace. So tying back to what Supriya was saying about like finding your own identity. Like personally, I, I identify by my English name now. And so I don't know, one time a teacher tried to like push back and she was like, oh, I like your Chinese name. Why don't you go by that name? And I was like, 
because I don't identify with that name. So can you just respect my decision and let me just call me by grace if that's what I want? Like my sister's name is just an American name because she was born here. I was born in China, but I don't know. It's a personal decision, I guess. Yeah, the name thing is definitely um, a big thing. I feel like we could all go on about that. Um, for me, especially, my name, I wouldn't say is super hard to pronounce, but, you know, obviously people do pronounce it wrong slightly. Um, and it doesn't bother me as much because I'm kind of used to it. And I don't really blame people just because it is an uncommon name. And I don't expect people to, you know, know how to pronounce every name. But also, you know, it does make me feel a little bit annoyed. Like it's not their fault, I guess, but because it's hard to expect someone to know how to pronounce every uncommon name. And it is nice when my classmates do kind of step in for me if I'm just like kind of over it at that point. I don't mind too much. I'm just happy to, I'm happy to correct people and tell them the correct pronunciation of my name. And honestly, I think that's what's most important. Just educating people and letting them know, I think is just really the best solution to kind of learn and move forward as a society. Yeah, I, this is a story I think some of you guys already heard, but this was something that like really bothered me. Um, it's just connected back to names. Like my name isn't Chinese. It, but it's like hard to pronounce anyway. But I just remember we had a substitute once and she just refused to call me by my actual name. Um, you know, like on attendance sheets, it's like very clear, clear, like which p part of your name is your last name, which part of your name is your middle name, which part of your name is like your first name. And she just kept calling me by my middle name because my middle name's Chinese. And when I corrected her, she was like, no. And she just continued to call me by my middle name. And I don't know. It just made me feel very offended because I'm like okay like just because I look Chinese doesn't mean that automatically the only Chinese like the Chinese part of my name is like the only part I identify with if I've told you multiple times that what my first name is you should be calling me by that and as a substitute teacher you should actually I don't know care what kids are thinking it it like really pissed me off and then I was just over it I'm happy it's like not like a normal, she wasn't like, I guess my normal teacher, but I think it's a pretty big issue that if a kid is telling you how to deal with, like, I guess, I don't even think it's like a cultural ramification. I think it's just like basic human respect. There's an issue. <laughs> I also think just speaking of names, it tends to take a while for some teacher to learn the names of Asian kids. Um, and, like, even, like, halfway throughout the school year, I have been called by my friends' names. And that's just very sad. Because, again, there's that stereotype that all Asians look like. But literally, we don't. Like, for example, I think halfway through last year, right before quarantine started, one of my teachers confused, actually, my speech partner for me. Um, My speech partner is, like, a solid four inches shorter than me. She has glasses. I usually don't in school. And we just, like, don't look alike. Also, we weren't even in the same class. Um, and that happened in both directions. Like, she called my speech partner by my name and also called me by my speech partner's name. And we just, like, literally do not look alike. Um, and I think, I mean, I understand if you sometimes, like, slip up and call someone by someone else's name. But, like, when you don't realize it, it's a little bit 
degrading that I can't even be identified sometimes, it's a problem. I guess, like, thinking about Chinese names, I have one. That's a thing, right? But nobody uses it. Nobody calls me by it. My parents don't. My friends, my parents, Asian friends don't. Like, it's not, I guess it's not really any anything I go by anywhere besides like when I was young in Chinese school (laughs) but I guess for me that just shows like how easy it is to assimilate when you're living in the U.S. so I personally feel the pressure of being more Chinese versus like the opposite yeah that was just tying back to assimilation yeah I feel like I've never really felt too much pressure to assimilate which is like I think that's like the positive of having this AB community I'm also like very tied to my um to like being Chinese I guess I think that might just be because and I was like good at Chinese school and I like wanted to be like can attest she was very good at Chinese school so I think that was like why I wanted to but I just I like that in AB I never felt too much of a pressure to be more American like other than like being bullied by white kids but I feel like that's like a experience a lot even like white kids get I don't even know if it was like racist the only time I think I really wanted to assimilate is when I felt embarrassed by like I guess my mom's accent which is something I feel like really bad for now but it's just I think in America just having the American accent and like being good at English is something that like can really define you which is weird because I think most people can understand accents. I don't know why a British accent is so different from an Asian accent, but yeah, I don't know. It just feels really weird like looking back on it now, but I just remember being like so embarrassed. Going off of that, I think something big that I've noticed is whenever I see someone from like, I don't know if other people feel this way too, but whenever I see someone from my group do something or say something, I'll automatically feel like Oh, are people going to generalize that to me? And so something I've been kind of trying to do is, like, any comment I make isn't really representative of my whole racial group. And same for vice versa. Someone from my racial group acts one way or does some way, I automatically get concerned that everyone's going to think, like, all Indian people are like that or, like, I'm like that. And so I bet other races feel this way, too. But I think that's something that I definitely need to work on. Kind of going off Melina and Supriya, I feel like in my day-to-day life, I don't feel embarrassed by my culture and don't feel really a need to assimilate. But there's also, like, I feel the need to assimilate in majority white spaces. Uh, For example, whenever I go grocery shopping with my mom or we're in an airport, I feel like a need to kind of act more complicitly or quietly um for example my mom whenever she goes grocery shopping she like leaves her cart somewhere and goes off another place and comes back to her cart and then I always feel a little bit embarrassed because it's like why are you doing this you should always keep your cart with you and then I kind of feel like the need to not bother anyone especially in majority white spaces I agree with that so much just because my parents tend to talk pretty loudly that's their personality um and so I'm always just like and that's also just like me being really like socially awkward in public spaces but I think like 
yeah, I kind of feel like in majority white spaces, I don't want to be noticed and I don't want to stand out. And I just like try to make myself smaller for other people. But I know like recently I've been very worried about like speaking Chinese, I guess, in public with my mom. That's just how we communicate. Like I've always just spoken Chinese with her or like a mixture of Chinese and English when I've been lazy. (laughs) But it's just now it's really weird. I'm like so aware when I like when people like turn and like look at me when I start speaking Chinese. And it's really awkward because I don't know. I always feel like, hey, like, I'm American. You don't need to look at me like that. And it it just, I don't think it's a good thing that I have to, like, be worried that people aren't going to think I'm American and, like, to worry about my treatment in that manner. Yeah, I don't know. It's just very recently, I think, especially with all of all the anti-Asian hate. It's just been kind of worrying. But also, I guess racists wouldn't know the difference between Asian languages. So I don't know why I'm, like... I don't know, like super, super worried, but. So I'm thinking we can definitely talk about, you know, how we feel about the racist incidents that happened recently, kind of our feelings towards those, um, and maybe even some next steps, ideas that we have. I think this has been going on for a very long time. Like, I think there is a misconception that the Atlanta shootings, oh my gosh, biggest thing that happened to Asians in such a long time. And like, obviously it's very tragic. I don't even like using the word tragic because it feels really fake. And that's what like all the media uses. But like, no, people are dying. Like actually people are dying from these attacks. And there's just so many videos on Instagram of people getting attacked and people literally just walking by and not caring. I'm pretty sure there's a video of someone who was like, punched or stepped on the face and then like a business owner or something just closed the door like how is that okay and the thing is I feel like I don't want to assume things from other people but I feel like if it was other races people would not be okay with that video at all and I just feel like no one cares and that makes me feel extremely helpless because I don't know how to make people care um well like adding on to that yeah, so many of those statements that Rebecca made resonate with me. Um, with the Atlanta shooting, I feel like this frustration and also that like helplessness that she described, where like, I mean, Rebecca and I have both been like kind of tracking hate crimes for like this past like year or maybe like over a year since like this pandemic really started, because that just coincided with this rise in hate crimes. And like so many people have been getting like beaten or murdered and the Atlanta shootings were definitely not the first instance of it. I think it was just particularly violent and brutal that it it made the news just because of, I guess, how horrible it was. But like, it's all, it frustrates me that like people don't realize that like so many incidents like it were happening already but like this is just the first one to really catch people's attention or hit the mainstream news um the other ones just really just hit instagram or like um asian news sites and so it's just been really frustrating as an activist um to try to raise awareness about this and no one caring 
like it's really frustrating for me to just see that like no one really cares and I also feel like sometimes these moments of activism that a lot of people care about tends to be they treat it like it's a trend or something like something on Instagram for them to get more likes or something like that or more views but then like afterwards they just move on to the next thing and the people in that community though they carry that trauma with them they're still affected where like everyone else has just moved on and treated it like it's sort of a fad and that just really upsets me adding on to what ariana has been saying the fact that I guess activism has become like trendy kind of bothers me too. I saw um, there was like some controversy some Instagram model literally just took a bikini pic and then tagged it like hashtag Black Lives Matter. And it's like she didn't even have anything to do with any of it. Um, and it was just for more likes and more views. And the fact that someone's death is used in this manner really bothers me. Also the media justifications were also like really bothering me because they had like really lack self-awareness when they were like, oh yeah, they like might've been prostitutes or something. And I was like, okay, but don't you realize by saying this, you're generalizing Malaysian women. And don't you realize that they're, that's like a very worrying sort of stereotype and conclusion to draw? Yeah, a hundred percent. And the media coverage of even the Atlanta shooting was so horrible. First of all, not even recognizing it was a hate crime. Then like taking whatever the shooter said to be true, saying like, oh, this was not racially motivated. This was like, was his excuse that it was like- Getting rid of temptation. Yeah, but like, did you realize that's because of that stereotype that Asian women are prostitutes and like um, Asian fetishization. And so clearly it's racially motivated. But the media just took that at face value and they're trying to be unbiased, I feel like. But in reality, they're definitely incredibly biased. Every word they pick is clear, like that's a choice that they do. So the the media is definitely biased against Asian people. And also, I think the fact that they didn't cover Asian hate until that horrid shooting shows just the invisibility they have towards the Asian community. I think another kind of impact of the shootings just on us personally, especially for me, is I'm worried that let's say one of my parents says something that hits someone else the wrong way, like they could be the next target. And so it's just scary to know that, you know, based on something that they can't control, that could happen. And so just seeing something happen like this really, you know, it just installs a little bit of fear. As an ABC, uh, an American-born Chinese, I definitely feel protective of my parents, especially when we go in public. Well, I think in the book Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong, um, there's this quote that mentioned like how white people kind of like talk down to our parents as children. And yeah, I'm always afraid of that happening. So sometimes I personally feel like I should be the adult when I shouldn't that's a weird feeling to have and it's frustrating to see that when my parents have an accent or that people automatically view them as not from here or can't understand us as much and that's yeah really frustrating something that like also makes me protective of my mom I guess is like I feel like she was taught like as an immigrant I think you're sort of taught that you have to keep your head down to like keep your place. And 
I think she like really doesn't realize how racist some people are against her. Like I know she went to CVS and like the cashier literally spoke to her like she was a baby. She was like, oh, do you know that? Do you understand? And that like really grated on my nerves. But then my mom was like, oh yeah, she was just like trying to be nice. And I was like, no mom, that's because she assumed you were stupid. It really worries me that a lot of people think that they're like doing you a favor by speaking to you in that way. And I just want people to realize like, hey, if you're stereotyping us as like super smart geniuses or something, then you shouldn't be, you probably shouldn't assume like just because we're from another country, you can like, that we need to be babied in any way. Like choose a narrative. (laughs) The whole thing is just contradictory. Like people just tend to contradict their own stereotypes or expectations they set for a certain group of people. I think in the AB community specifically, when I was younger, a lot of teachers liked me because I did very well fit that smart, Asian, quiet girl. And a lot of teachers like that. But then as I've gone older, I think there's an assumption that I only care about grades. That's why I'm so quiet. And that's why I work so hard at school. That's not true. I have been trained from that young age to be quiet, to be smart, because that's what people like. That's what people expect from me. But then as you get older, there's more people like this. And I think a lot of teachers and maybe even like employers in the future don't really like this. And I feel like I constantly need to prove myself different from the stereotype or else no one will want me. I relate to that because if I'm working hard in a class to do well, it's not specifically for the grades. I just want to do well, right? Like if you're in a class, you don't want to just fail it. That's not the point. It's hard for me to separate my actual intentions from like the assumption of the model minority stereotype. Yeah, I feel like that that assumption is totally racist, that we're only in it for the grades. It's it's true that like, yeah, we're not going to a class to fail. And any student, like regardless of their race, wants a good grade. Like no student's going to be like, if you would rather have an A or an F, which one would you choose? Like every student wants an A. But like, that's not the sole purpose they're in that class. But I feel like the problem, the, the racist component is that generalization, is that stereotyping of like an entire race to, to be that one thing. There's this assumption, I think it also goes with like, oh, you're less like genuine about like wanting to be here. It's like just taking away personal accomplishments, I feel like attributing it to your race. Whereas like if a white student does well and gets good grades or wants grades and they'll be praised for that, and they don't have to worry about like, how am I going to be perceived? Whereas with Asian students, they do. And that's really horrible. We've kind of talked a lot about like stereotypes and things that we've faced outside of AB, but in AB particularly, have you guys experienced any aggressions because of your race? So personally, I haven't um, faced too many aggressions, but something that happened to my parents like a while back. I think it was with my neighbors and it was here at AB. And my parents bought a house in AB and at that time it was like, oh my God, some like Chinese immigrants came in here and like took a house and they could like still buy other things. And then there was this automatic assumption, oh yeah, they're Asian, they're super rich. So my parents, they like saved up a lot of money. They like worked super hard to like buy some gifts to um, bring back to uh, family in China, which I think is like pretty standard those neighbors automatically took it as like, oh yeah, they're just rich. 
So when they like saw all these gifts my parents were like buying and like preparing for like a trip back to China, they kept talking about it with their um, family and like family friends. They kept talking about and talking about and talking about and like talking about, oh yeah, can you believe these like random Chinese people can do this? And then by doing that and continuously talking about it, they like pique the interest of some person's boyfriend. So what he decides to do is break in and steal all of the gifts and sell them so he can buy drugs. So when they went to court, my neighbors were brazenly sitting right behind him as he like lied about it. And he was like, oh yeah, they're rich. It literally doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. They should be paying me so I can like survive or something like that. And like my neighbors supported him all the way. They were sitting behind him and they were like nodding along. After that, like my neighbors kept like being confused why we why they like didn't want to interact with them. And after 9-11, they like came over to my house and they were like, you know how you have to like watch your neighbors now? We're going to be watching you. And I don't understand how you can be so racist and so like unaware and somehow it was okay because there's this assumption that they were rich. I think it just really ties back to the fact that so many people are so unaware of Asian racism and the fact that these stereotypes lead them to justifying like really awful things. I also think just people are unaware of how things that seem small like stereotypes in the model minority myth can lead to a lot of bigger things. Like a lot of the hate crimes and everything that we're seeing right now they're stemming from stereotypes and even in our school district I feel like Asian jokes, Asian stereotypes, model minority myth have become so extremely normalized that no one really notices them. Like even for me when I was younger, I don't think I realized how much the model minority myth affected me as a person. And honestly, like there are some very questionable moments in my life. People like literally sometimes took my tests away from me and like looked at my grade and then told people. None of the teachers stopped that. So that kind of sucks. When I went to a camp over the summer once. There was a guy, he was white, and he told me that I was the whitest Asian he'd ever met. I didn't have a response. I didn't know what to say to that, but like looking back on it, it's just like not okay. Yeah, for me, I haven't experienced any like large scale blatant acts of discrimination. Uh, But you know, there are like small microaggressions, small just like internalized things that create a sense of not belonging, I guess. But ultimately, I think that it's just really important to educate everyone. And I really like when I see people make, you know, an effort to pronounce names correctly, or just an effort to, you know, not say things that could be perceived as racist, or just, you know, think twice before they say something. I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. And I do appreciate when people say that. Um, So yeah, I think it's just really important to like learn from this and um, hopefully just become better. Do you wanna open up the stage to our two special guests today, Ariana and Nicole? Um, Do you guys have anything to say? The reason we started Dear Asian Youth Club was first of all, because of that huge rise in hate crimes following the pandemic. And so I just felt frustrated as an individual. I felt really powerless on what to do. And I think at that point, I kind of realized that I was limited as an individual. So I had to start a group to do more activism because I also was really upset that I saw that get paralleled in the school and how this racism has been such a problem. So 
That's why I decided to start Dear Asian Youth Club. I also wanted it to be a safe space so that students can go and just be comfortable there and share their experiences. So that's why I highly encourage people to join Dear Asian Youth because we're, we're trying to improve the community. We're trying to better a lot of these issues as well as I think talk about a lot of the racism that we've all experienced because it does really impact us. And I mean, in Dear Asian Youth Club, I have to say it's been nice to have a community where I can share a lot of the stuff that I've been kind of bottling up. We kind of had some trouble at first starting this club with the administration because we're too similar to like the Asian culture club, even though they're focused on culture and we're focused on activism. So at first they denied our um, proposal, but eventually we were able to convince them that we were different enough and that we're a necessary club for AB. So I'm glad that we're able to accomplish that. And um, we're pretty surprised how like a lot of people were interested and we're grateful for that. And we hope that we can continue to grow and expand our projects. Um, how we're working on projects right now, I think they will make a big impact on AB, like our um, history curriculum project. I hope more people will come in and contribute. So that'd be great. Oh, just to clarify um, our history curriculum project, basically what we're doing is we're trying to change the history curriculum to be more inclusive of Asian history and basically mention it more because we feel like right now there is just a lack of representation of Asians in history. And when it is taught, it can be very problematic. It can reinforce a lot of stereotypes about Asian people. So we're trying to improve the history curriculum. So welcome you all to join us. We hope that you've enjoyed exploring our perspectives on what it's like to be Asian in our community. Again, our opinions are not representative of the Asian community as a whole. These are simply our experiences, and we've enjoyed sharing them with you. If you're interested in helping Asian activism, check out Dear Asian Youth. Dear Asian Youth meets every Friday at 5pm, and you can email mbionaabschools.org for the Zoom link, or follow their Instagram at DearAsianYouthAB. Thank you for listening, and this was... Off the spectrum. spectrum.